You're listening to the Felony Inc. Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Inc. Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. The Felony Inc. Podcast airs live every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. My name is Mark Grimes, co-founder of Startup Radio Network. Now please settle in, enjoy. It's time for the Felony Inc. Podcast. Well, good morning, listeners. So we're back on Felony Inc. Podcast right here in downtown PDX. Rose City. The Rose City. Talk about the Trailblazers. <laughs> oh, man. All on. Did Woo. you see that game? I think I cried a little bit. I actually <clears throat> did, too. That's, I'm getting chills right now. Man. I mean, at first, I was like, what's he going to force it into overtime? Like, shoot. And right. He did it. Bam. 37 feet, 50 points. It was just like, oh, yeah. Oh, man. That was just like, I've never seen a game like that before. I was so excited. I jumped out, you know, it's it takes a lot to get me excited, but I'm telling you, I was out of my chair and yelling and screaming, and everybody in my house was was so excited about that game. Man, what a, what a shot, man. Right over the top of George. Bam! He was on him, too. He was trying to guard him. He's guarding the three, too. Yeah. It was a deep three. And, and it was crazy, too, because you know when that... Almost half court. When that ball went through there... Mm-hmm. The red light went on. Half, he halfway through it. the air, I think. Even no, right yeah. when it went through, the right. red light came on. It was. It couldn't have been a more perfect shot. And in such class, we we answered all their all their like a uh, crap talk with nothing, just radio silence. You know, that's right. And, <laughs> and the little the little wave bye bye. That's how you deal oh, with the bully, I'm, right I'm there. Tearing up right now. Right. Oh, okay. All right. Let's get on with the program. So hey. Um, me and Mark are here in the studio today. Dave has a little vacation time he's pulled out, so he's not going to be here in the studio today. We're going to miss him. Hey, um, Dave, if you're listening. Hey. Hey, what's up, Big D? So, Dave's um, not here. My co-host today, of course, is Mark Gailey from Murder, Inc. downtown Portland, PDX. If you guys want a good tattoo, run over there. Mark, we kill it. What the heck's going on? Um... Well, we just tattoo all day. So are you talking about the tattoos? Or are we going to talk? I would rather, let's just, the tattoo thing's awesome. Oh, yeah, we got the tour bus, whatever. But I'm really, this, this, uh, the Richard Bronson's um, 70 million jobs. Yeah, that, we're going we're gonna to look at that. that we got, is, we got I was, just, really, I was really thinking cool about guess. that number because um, I was talking to you in the elevator. Uh, America has the highest incarceration rate in the world. So that's a lot of people that need jobs. Well, you know. We're going to talk to this guest, Richard Bronson. He's on the line right now. Um, but, uh, you know, looking back, when I was in prison, doing 20 years and just about ready to get out, one of the biggest things I was worried about was getting a job. And, of course, a place to stay. But, you know, I had family, so I knew I'd at least have a place to stay for a little while. But that job thing, man, that really worried me, that I would just be able to get a job. And when I got out, um, it wasn't too long. I had two jobs. I was working, you know, two different eight-hour jobs and enjoying it. Of course, you know, I was just happy to be out. But I know that's a very, you know, frustrating point for a lot of people. So this guest, Mr. Richard Bronson, is going to tell us a little bit about himself and how all this jobs came to be. Richard, welcome to the show. Gentlemen, thank you. It's nice to be here. Well, we were talking before we got on the air, and um, you were 
You were kind of disappointed that Dave wasn't going to be here. What is your connection with Dave? Well, uh, Dave uh, and his foundation, the Killer Bread Foundation, uh, is actively involved in a lot that's going on regarding uh, the criminal justice reform and issues relating to reentry and recidivism. And these are things that we, too, are very much involved with and uh, missions that resonate with us deeply. Uh, my, myself and my team were, were also involved with a lot that's going on in the space. So Dave is something, has something of a mythic uh, reputation. And uh, I was looking forward, but uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll have fun uh, just the same. So, Richard, where, uh, where are you located at? We are located in uh, Los Angeles. Um, I uh, started my company, 70 Million Jobs, and of course the 70 million refers to the 70 million Americans, or one in three adults, um, which is a spectacular number that people find hard to believe, but one in three adults, or 70 million Americans, have a criminal record. Uh, I launched the company in uh, New York a couple of years ago and um, came out to San Francisco um, because we uh, operate as a startup tech company, and that certainly is the world's capital for startup technology companies. Uh, and we spent a couple of years there building the team, uh, and we've been fortunate enough to receive the support of venture capital firms who believe not only in our mission to help uh, folks with records uh, find employment, um, but also believe that there's money to be made in the space as well. Um, so we operate as a for-profit venture that is seeking double bottom line returns, which means we want to build a big successful business and we want to do massive social good. Uh, about a, a couple of months ago, um, we all decided that L.A. was the right place to be. So my entire team and I packed up and headed here, and that's where we are. Well, you know, these, these type of programs, of course, they, you know, they, they originate somewhere. With Dave, you know, um, it started just because he started hiring ex-felons at the bakery. You know, it, it, was just, it wasn't that he was looking to hire ex-felons. It was just that there was a lot of people out there that fit the criteria that were ex-felons. And, of course, Dave knew that, um, you know, if he could do it, then a lot of other people can do it. And, you know, and he gave me that chance, and 33% of the bakery at, at one time were, were ex-felons. So where does this start for you? Were, were you ever incarcerated? Yeah. Um, in a past life, I used to, I'm, I'm, again, I'm from New York. I worked on Wall Street. And um, I did very, very well there. I made a lot of money. And uh, at, one time, at one time, I was actually a partner at the infamous Wolf of Wall Street firm, Stratton Oakmont. Wow. So I went through all that insanity. And yes, the movie was a fair uh, depiction of how it really was then and there. Uh, I left that company to start my own in Florida. And... I built a very big business. I had a $100 million company. I had 
hundreds and hundreds of employees all over the country and again made a lot of money but unfortunately some of what i was doing was outside of the law and as much as i'd like to say um it wasn't me it was someone else or i didn't realize it or you know any other kind of excuse uh i readily admit that i knew then as i know now that what i was doing was wrong and my only excuse is that i was stupid and greedy and impatient um so i i uh I did a couple of years in a federal prison and, um, you know, prior to, prior to going away, um, you know, I made a lot of money. Some of it I made the wrong way and some of it I made legitimately, but after paying off all the fines and after reimbursing everybody, I still had a lot of money, but I gave it away to charity because I felt so disgusted with myself and so, uh, ashamed. And I thought, you know, this is the only thing I can do that makes me feel a little better. Uh, looking back on it, perhaps it wasn't the smartest thing for me to do, but at the time it was a dark time, and um, you know, I guess I was a little uh, out of control. So I gave away all my money, which meant, like you, uh, as I was approaching my release date, I was freaking out. Uh, I really didn't have any place to live. I had no money. I had you know, no job prospects. I had nothing. And in fact, when I got out, I was essentially destitute and homeless. Uh, it took me really a long time to figure out what, who I was. I mean, you know, on, a, on the most basic level, am I a big shot or am I, you know, a, a nobody? Um, where, what should I be trying to do with my life at this point? And, you know, it was a very, very unsure, uncomfortable time in my life for several years. Eventually, however, I, I got lucky in that um, I discovered a nonprofit in New York that works with men and women both in and out of prison and kind of trains them to be entrepreneurs. And the name of that organization is Defy Ventures. Um, they operate, uh, you know, in a number of locations throughout the country. And I got involved, eventually became a director there. And um, that was really great work for me. It was very satisfying for my soul. I thought it was karmically a, uh, a good thing for me to be doing. Um, and it would kind of hit me that, in fact, this was my calling in life. This is what I was here for to help my brothers and sisters coming out of jail and prison, help them have an easier go of it than it was for me. Um, I knew that as tough as it was for me, I had a lot of advantages. Here I am, a white male in white corporate America. I had a college education. You know, most of the guys I was in prison with that didn't have, maybe they had a high school education. And, you know, they had to deal with all sorts of negative biases to begin with. Um, it had to be a lot worse for them. And in fact, that's the truth. And I later learned that, you know, unless someone gets a job quickly when they're released from jail or prison, the odds are incredibly overwhelmingly against them that they will end up being rearrested. Uh, people have got to figure out a way to eat. And if you have a family particularly, you need an income. And it is so incredibly hard for someone with a record to get a job. 
And ultimately, you know, a man's got to do what a man's got to do. And a woman also does as well. And it turns out that these folks, and this is something that I guess was discovered by Dave and Dave's Kill and Bread, but it's, it's certainly not uh, an isolated example. It turns out that these folks, when they do get jobs, they do incredibly well on the job. Um, you know, studies show that they, you know, a lot of people believe they do better. And not only do they do better, but they stick around longer. You know, people who get hired for jobs these days typically feel no sense of loyalty to the company. And they feel like they want to jump around and discover all that life has to offer. Um, which means that companies have a hell of a time just, you know, recruiting and holding on to people. And it turns out that folks with records... Not only do, as I say, do they do very well, but they stick around longer because they know they don't have many options and they got to make it work. Well, that's just so, it. You know, you, you go to, uh, you know, you put in a, a thousand applications and nobody will hire you. Yep. And then all of a sudden this one employer says, you know what, we'll give you a chance. And you're right. Uh, you become very loyal to that person. And also yep. in the back of your head, you know, if I mess this one off, I'm going to have to go out and put out another thousand applications to see if I can figure out where I'm going to go next. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, you know, my, my thought was, what, you know, if right now in the United States, uh, with the exception of people who have records, for everybody else, unemployment is at like a 50-year low, which means that companies are having an incredibly hard time attracting talent, particularly at the lower end of the wage scale. There are 8 million jobs that are currently unfilled. So I thought, well, if we have all these people, you know, millions of them with records who need jobs desperately, and if we have these companies that desperately need to find people to fill these positions, and if it turns out that these people that we're talking about really do well on the job, why can't we just put them together and help them solve each other's problems? So that's kind of what we did, you know, in a very kind of simplistic way. And it's worked out really, really very, very well. Um, you know, attitudes towards the formerly inc- I, I Listen, I'm, I'm out of prison for 15 years, and I've seen over that period of time a big difference in attitude towards people with records. Maybe you guys have also seen that. Absolutely. But, you know, absolutely, yes. Yeah. So, you know, as bad as it is, it's getting better. We're, we're, you know, laws are slowly changing. Even Trump, you know, signed something on the federal level to help people a little bit with sentencing reform. So some people have been able to get out earlier than they thought. And there's lots of celebrities now involved. It's almost, almost become a fashionable thing, you know, to be involved with criminal justice reform and reentry and recidivism. And all sorts of strange people have gotten into it. So, you know, we got very lucky. I'd, li- I'd like to tell you that I was really smart and I analyzed this, the, the uh, you know, the conditions in this country. But it just turned out that we launched our company while companies were having a desperate time in finding help. And as the attitudes have been changing, it's made my job easier and easier to help find people jobs. And we do it on a national basis. We have millions of people with records who have come to us or have been referred to us by a wide range of sources like community organizations and nonprofits and even governmental agencies. They send people to us 
And then we, in turn, have relationships with some of the largest employers in the country. And their attitude is, yeah, it's, it's good to help people and everyone deserves a second chance. There's a little bit of that, but mostly it's pure business. It's we need people and if they can do the job, you know, we want to hire them. Um, now, that's true for most people, you know, who have done time. There are certain people who have committed crimes or at least have been convicted of crimes that big companies are just not ready yet to, you know, consider. Um, and, you know, for those people, it's still really, really hard, if not impossible. But, you know, our prison population ballooned in the 70s, 80s, 90s, mostly, you know, as part of our battle in the war on drugs. And we're not talking about, you know, drug kingpins. We're just talking about people on the street trying to earn a living. You know, uh, millions of people were incarcer- have been incarcerated and walk around with the stigma, you know, that serves as kind of like a life sentence. You know, as long as it's there, it's going to negatively affect their life. And for these people, you know, opportunities are starting to open up. So that's very exciting to me. Well, I agree. And, you know, uh, I'm going to talk to you about uh, some of the uh, some of the other guests that we've had on. When they go a step further, and I'm going to ask you about this if you guys do this, but they would actually go into the prisons and kind of recruit before guys got out. But first of all, we've got to take a break, and we will be right back. CPA Dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startupradio. Tell them Dave and Lad sent you, and we'll send you a very special surprise. Seriously, we will. Today's episode of the Felony Inc. podcast is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize handles all communications with the media and any content required to do this, such as press releases, editorial pitches, etc. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct the PR package right for the future future of your business. Well, Richard, um, we really appreciate you coming on today, and thanks for all the good stuff you're saying about about your business. Does Richard know we're goofballs? We're goofballs, (laughs) Richard. You remember the old... I'm sorry, I didn't catch that last thing. I so, said, you know, you know, me and Mark and Dave, you know, we're we're just regular goofballs. Usually, we oh, like to, to tease and joke a lot on here, but sometimes sure. we got to fill out the guest and see whether or not they like to to do the same. So. So if we see some goofing off... Wall Street, that's pretty prestigious. I mean... Don't hold it against us. I love that movie, Wall, uh, Wolf of Wall Street. So anyway, Richard, yeah, bef- before the break, um, I was telling you about a couple of the guests that we've had on there, and they have these programs. I don't know, you're, you're down in San Francisco area, right? No, we're in Los Angeles. Oh, Los now. Angeles. Have you we ever were heard, in San Francisco. Have you ever heard of The Last Mile? Yeah, I'm very, very familiar. I know the... Uh, the founders very well. I know their work. Um, we, we, our approach is a little bit different. First of all, they are a nonprofit. We're not. Um, I worked at a great nonprofit. The Last Mile is great. Uh, in L.A., we have Homeboy Industries and Chrysalis, and they're great. 
and CEO, and there's a whole lot of really terrific organizations with great people involved who are dedicating their lives. Um, the when someone uh, we our approach is a little bit different. Um, when someone is in prison, and I spend a lot of time in prison, and I volunteer, and I go into prisons, and my last gig at Defy had a lot to do with being in prisons. Um, you know, you get involved with the lives of individuals. When someone comes out of prison, typically they have a, a variety of issues that they need to address. You mentioned a couple of them. You need a place to live and you need a job. But very often people are struggling with issues like mental health and substance abuse and family issues. And, you know, you can go on and on. And our belief is that before someone could become a really effective employee, they need to address a lot of these issues or else there's just gonna, it's just not going to work out so well. Um, the nonprofits that exist, um, none of them have really ever grown to be a national thing. They're all very local. And part of the reason, aside from the fact that they spend so much time having to fundraise constantly, part of the reason why they don't grow beyond being very local is because the work they do require is a very high-touch, bricks-and-mortar kind of approach. In other words, when you're dealing with someone's mental health issues or substance abuse, you need to be there. And it takes time. It takes months, if not years, to really make an impact. And if you're dealing with mental health, that can take even longer. It's not simply a question of, okay, I'm out of prison. Where should I go for my first day of work? Very often, that's not what really the individual needs best. So the nonprofits are great in getting involved on a very holistic kind of way. But again, it doesn't really scale well. Two and a half million people are in, currently incarcerated, more or less. 650,000 of them come out of prison and jails every year. Um, the nonprofits and organizations like the Last Mile, which is training people in prison how to code, compute, you know, how to, how to become computer techs, um, which is a great, great thing because it means that people can get a job and make more money than just some lousy minimum wage job. And we have had many of their people we've helped get jobs. So I know I'm very familiar with what they do, and it's great work. Um, our approach is different. Um, there are 70 million people who were released three years ago and 11 years ago who are walking around. There are more in L.A. than anywhere else, and that's one of the reasons why we moved there. Um, and they have the same stigma and the same problems with getting a job. However, most of their other issues have been resolved. You know, if you're not arrested and back in jail um, and you, you've been out for several years, chances are you got your shit together, basically. Our attitude is we want to help the people, and there's maybe 10 million of them. We want to help the people who have their act together, who are ready to work, who, if they get a job at an employer, will do well, we can count on it, and we can count on that that employer is going to come back and say, we hired these 10 people, they're working out terrifically, get us more just like them, because that's the way we operate. So we're after the people who just basically need one less door slamming in their face. Like you said, they fill out a thousand applications and get nowhere, 
We want to take that person who's stayed out of trouble, who's got their shit together, who's sincere about their future and maybe a little more mature. Maybe they have a family. These are great people to, to, to bet on because they do incredibly well. We hear that these people are looked upon as almost heroes as co-workers start to learn about their backgrounds and how tough they were and what they had to go through and sleeping on the floor and the physical and mental abuse they suffered about living in a refrigerator box under a highway, on and on and on, that these people who have spent so much time in, in prison because they were brought into the world in unspeakably awful circumstances, and yet now that they're out, they have such an appreciation for life, and now that they're out, they come to work every day with a smile for everybody, um, whereas everybody else is miserable and, you know, just all they were thinking about is Friday and getting through the week. These are people who take nothing for granted, who work hard, and once their coworkers get to know them, we hear it all the time. They, they're looked upon as heroes. Like, what an incredible person to go through this, to experience what they've experienced, and now look at them right now. They have a smile for everybody. I, I've gotten to know so many folks like this, you know, and, uh, and women, particularly women who have been abused by men their entire lives. And, you know, did nothing really to get into trouble. They, they trusted a man and that just ended up bad. And, you know, they come out after 10, 20, 30 years in prison and they're so soulful. They're so wise. They've had the opportunity to really understand life and people. And I, I you know, I want to hire each and every one of them. I think they're amazing. And I think any company that has, is lucky enough to be in a position to hire one of them would really be the better for it. It's not, you're not doing them a favor, they're doing you a favor, because they're gonna give you so much value, and they are gonna be so good for the morale of your company, and they're gonna send a message to the towns and cities in which you do business, and to your competitors, that doing the right thing, that giving second chances, is not only something that we all should wanna do, that's very American, but it's also very good business. And when you can combine doing good and doing well, that's a sustainable model. That's where we believe the future of this whole space exists. So we're looking for ways that we can scale this, not help a few people a year, and a few people a year is great, but I wanna help a million people get jobs. And that's how I can really move the needle, and that's how we can ultimately eradicate recidivism, which is our major goal. All right, Richard, so you know as well as I do, you, you've been to prison, and, and being in there, you know, you meet these guys, you know, and you know, you know, kind of when you meet them and see how they're acting and what they're doing and who they're hanging around with, whether they're ready or not to get out and do what's right. Yep. So you got the, you know, in your business, what what's the approach that you take when you talk to these men and women and f to find out whether or not they're ready? That's a great question you're asking. That's something that we are addressing right now. Um, up in, um, we, we started with a job board about a year and a half ago. A job board like Monster or Craigslist or Indeed or any number of job boards out there where 
companies that are interested in accessing this pool of talent can place ads. They pay us for it, and comp and uh, individuals can apply for the jobs that they want to with employers who are second chance friendly. But um, we wanted to get to know people a lot better than that, and we just launched a staffing agency where we do just that. Um, you're absolutely right. I don't mean to sound, you know, I can get on my high horse and talk about this like I'm a, you know, a preacher in church, but you're absolutely right. There are some bad people out there who have done bad things, and given the opportunity, they'll probably do them again. And ultimately, you know, why are they that way? You know, there's lots of reasons that probably won't be resolved in my lifetime. There's enough people out there, however, that are good people that made a mistake, typically when they're young. And who among us hasn't made a mistake? I don't know a single person who hasn't gotten behind the wheel after having an extra glass of wine or a person who didn't on their taxes fudge something and say it was a business expense when it really was just took, taking their family out for dinner, that if they got caught, they'd be in big trouble and they would end up in a, in a, in a bunk next to one of us. Um, so really, who are the people who we should be focused on who really will um, take the opportunity and run with it? Um, with our staffing business, we get into exactly that. Um, we we uh, are doing personality uh, and behavioral predictive testing. Uh, the science of that has gotten very, very good. And we want to find the people, forget about what they did, it's what they're going to do that really is the concern. Are they going to take any opportunity to break the law or are they going to take this opportunity and you know uh make the most of it and we want to uh, help the people the latter but i will tell you even across the board um people once they get jobs they almost never get in trouble again employment is the silver bullet um there's a federal bonding program that exists that if you hire someone a felon uh that and it's a little more complicated but if you hire a felon and they commit a financial crime, like they steal money or they steal equipment or something like that, you can put in a claim and you'll be reimbursed. That's been around for 25 years and there's only been 56, nationally, 56 claims ever made on this program. People with jobs don't get into trouble. It is the silver bullet. If you don't have a job, you will get in trouble. If you have a job, you won't. It's almost that clear cut. All right. So. We'll change course a little bit. You know, I'm I'm curious about how your company gets its foot in to some job place. You know, I mean, it has to start with one person. You have to get that one person in there into this, uh, you know, to this company and show them that, you know, that this is possible, that you can hire an ex-felon and then they're going to do good in your, in, you know, in your business. But how do you do that? How do you get in that first person? Well, um, generally, it's not just one person, first of all. Um, when you're dealing with a big company, the way they approach it, typically with us, at least, and that's all I can speak about, is they start with a pilot program. Again, number one, H we work with HR, uh, human resource departments, HR departments. 
And their job is to bring in good talent and to fill positions. That is their job. And if there are empty positions that are unfilled, then they're not doing their job. So that has meant that they, um, they recognize, particularly these days, that that means they may have to go in some non-traditional places to find talent because everybody is on job boards and everyone does job fairs and everybody does referrals and all the different ways that they recruit people. So they have to do a, be a little more original. And maybe 20 years ago, the idea of hiring people with records was something that you know these companies weren't ready for. But the truth is that right now, almost everybody has been touched by the criminal justice system, either directly or indirectly. If it's not you yourself, it's a family member. If it's not a family member, it's a friend or someone in their family. And, you know, at that point, there's almost definitely cases where, you know, this person went away or did something or whatever. You know, it used to be people in prison, people like us, when we're in jail or prison, we're monsters, we're awful, throw away the key. They did something terrible. Um, it was them and us. But now them is us. And when them is us, you got to kind of look at people a little differently and it tends to humanize them. And you realize, you know, and I'm sure you guys have spent a lot of time when you were down just talking about how morality and right and wrong is rarely that black and white, you know, that nobody is perfect, that everybody does things wrong. I'm not talking about some crazy serial killer. I'm not talking... You know, there's certain things that I, I even I have a hard time kind of accepting and I wouldn't want to work with this person. But for the most part, the people I've seen, you know, given the opportunity, they don't want to go back to prison. They don't want to do the wrong thing. They do have consciences. If you don't have a conscience, you're a psychopath. I'm not talking about psychopaths. I'm talking about people who you know, needed to earn a living. They had no other example, no role models. They had nobody to tell them not to. And they did what everybody else was doing on their block. They were typically slinging drugs to make some money. And this is not an evil person in my experience. Some, yes, but not most of them. I'm interested in the most of them. There's always gonna be exceptions. That's always the case. I don't, I don't need to have an argument with somebody about, well, what about this guy? Yes, that guy, put him away. I don't, I don't really care about that guy. I care about the tens of millions who are good people who, through whatever circumstances, are now in the condition they're in. They don't want to be in it. They want a chance. They didn't have an education. They didn't have an opportunity to learn a trade. What do you want these people to do? Do you want to keep them in jail forever? Do you want to kill them? If they don't have the tools to get a job, what do you expect them to do? Deal in reality. And my attitude is I want those people because those are people who really will appreciate it and they will they own their past. They accept it. They say, I did things that I regret that were wrong, but I'm ready to move on. Those are the people I think are excellent bets. Investing in people will make any company grow. That's what a company is. It's the quality of its people. Ultimately. You have to invest in people in order to be successful. And that's what it to. is. Yep. And you know, I know that uh, you know from experience uh, that when you see 
somebody, you know, say if you're in prison and one of your buddies got out and he wrote to you down the road and told you, hey, look, well, you know what? I got this really good job. It gives you hope. It, it gives you that, you know, like, what? I was very fortunate because when I got out, I was worried about the stigmatism of my past, but was able to just go right to work for Dave at the bakery when Dave had literally put his story on the back of every loaf of bread. I didn't have a problem. I, I was able to fit right in there. It was, you know, things were happening around, uh, you know, hiring ex-felons at, at, at Dave's Kill of Bread. So I was able just to fit right in. I mean, how explosive is this for you guys to go there and to get these guys jobs at these places and for that to get back into prison? And these guys in, and women in prison hear this mm-hmm. and have some hope for the first time. Well, I, you know something? There's so much about the work that I do, and I'm sure you guys, because you're involved with this discourse and, and you're helping people learn about this, there's so much about this that I find incredibly rewarding. And, you know, uh, I, 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 in my whole life, I never said I feel blessed, but when I am involved with this work and I have a chance to work with these people who I admire so much, and who are able to, you know, kind of just move on with their life and have the strength to do it and the courage to defy the odds. Uh, I feel so privileged to be able to do that, to go into a prison and talk about how things are improving and hang in there. Because when you get out, there are people who really do care. And I'm not just talking about me. And I'm not just talking about you guys or Dave. There's a lot of good people out there who really believe that, you know, reentry and, and people deserve a second chance. Hell, people talk about it as being a second chance. I don't even think it's a second chance. I think it's a first chance. Because these folks were, were, may I say this, they were fucked from day one. You Absolutely. Know? They, they, they had no opportunity, you know. Their dad wasn't around. They had no role models. They had nothing. What what kid deserves that? Some what, people are brought that, up in such negativity that, you know. It's exactly. Like, a lot of the first things well, I hear from these people is like, I can't get a job. I'm just like, I mean, yeah, um, that's that's not true. Just, yeah, I mean, to, 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 to be born into that, what child deserves that? Yeah, you right. know? And, and yet many of them, you know, that's their background. And, you know, and then they're young. And what young person doesn't do stupid things? We all do. You know, that's what being young is. I know and I did. I, I, yeah, except often, you know, depending on where you're brought up and the socioeconomic class you're in, you know, you don't get into trouble when you're white and, you know, middle class and your parents can afford a lawyer or whatever. You get, you know, but other people don't have those benefits. So they just go, they begin on a path. And I know you guys know, once you're in the system, it feels like you just can't get out of it. And no matter what you do, you know, the minute a little mistake is made, you, you, you forgot about a court appearance now, or you can't make bail, and now you're stuck in a jail for two years. You know, you hear these stories, it's like, Christ, it's, it, it doesn't sound like America at all. Do you know, we have, you were talking about this earlier, we have 5% of the world's population and 25% of its incarcerated population. 
Yeah, it's and true. we are the only company, country, the only country that includes China and Afghanistan and South uh, North Korea and all these bad and Russia, all these bad places. We're the only country that puts juveniles into solitary confinement. We're the only one that does something so cruel to do that. And then when the person comes out and he's a little bit crazy and does something crazy, we're surprised. We, it's like, Richard, it's can like, I? Richard, you're really good with numbers. That's okay. That because I want to touch on this, the mental health issues. Um, what's the percentage of the mental health issues of people that? I know that's a big stigma too. Um, does that have any? Does that have any bearing on the? Uh... Well, I, I I can't say that I am as it relates to mental health. You know, that is not my area of expertise. But I will tell you this one thing that I read this morning, um, in the newspaper, and it kind of blew my mind. It was about um, trauma to the head, you know, getting banged on the head somehow. That among most people, the amount that, that there's a 5% um, incidence of head trauma that exists within most people. However, people who have been incarcerated, it's something like 80%. Now, I don't know if that means they had a trauma to the head when they got incarcerated or if they had it before. But if it was before, perhaps that has something to do with why they got into trouble. They just, you know, weren't quite there. So, you know, you know, mental health is a huge issue. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's it's a little really, off subject of this, I believe. But. Yeah. I mean, it's a real I mean, when you talk about homelessness, I. I lived in San Francisco, and now I'm in L.A., and homelessness is a huge problem in both places, and you can't help but see it all over the place. I have no idea, because so many of those people do have mental health issues. You know, I, I have no idea what to do with that. I mean, that one is really stumps me. So, you know, I got my little area uh, of, that I've, you know, chosen to write up to draw a line in the sand. I want to help as many of these motherfuckers get jobs as they can, and if they don't know they need it, I'm going to make sure they know it, and I'm not taking no for an answer. So, you know, that's where that's where I'm choosing to do so, my work. So at this point, um, do you have even an estimate of how many people, how many ex-felons that you've gotten a job for? Yeah, we've had a couple of thousand. Um, some, some are not felons, uh, I think a, a smaller percentage you know, have misdemeanors, but they all have things in their background that have, you know, stood between them getting jobs. So we're running at a rate of 100, 150 people a month we're getting jobs for. Um, we've just started. We're getting better and better at it. We have more and more companies that we're working with. Um, so, you know, again, my goal is to get a million people jobs. And I will feel at that point that my karma has been kind of evened out for the things that I've done that I regret. Um, and, you know, I feel like I can like see I've, this going viral. <laughs> well, you know, it, it sounds crazy. I, I Listen, I recognize that when I start talking about this stuff, it, it sounds a little bit nuts. But, you know, it is the one thing I get passionate about, you know. Well, you know, um, like those guys that sell the socks, when you get one million people a job... Then you'll get a tattoo, right? Absolutely, actually. I'm going to come to Portland for that tattoo. Murder, Inc. There you go. What's it going to be? Yeah. What's the tattoo going to be? I'm going to leave it to the tattoo artist. It's going to be a $70 million bill. Hey, okay. you know what, uh, Richard? Um, on my left shoulder, 
Um, I have a, Mark did a tattoo for me of Jesus. It's a really cool tattoo. And I thought, you know what? On my left shoulder, I got the good guy. And then on the right shoulder would be the bad guy. So what I did was I had Mark take the cartoon character of Dave and put horns on it. And he tattooed that on my right shoulder. So when you get one million people a job, Mark is going to give you a tattoo of Dave with horns. Yes, I got one too. We were the only two that have that tattoo. Wow. That's a that's a, an exclusive club to be a member yes. of. Well, I'd be, I'd be very honored to both have that tattoo and an understanding where it came from. Uh, I don't typically like the idea of putting men's uh, ink on my body, but I might make an exception. Here. You know, that reminds me of a story. Me, me and Lad did. Me and Dave were in uh, in Alaska um, a long time ago uh, during the bakery days. You in an igloo? And um, we're in the elevator. And I had a Dave's Killer Bread T-shirt on, and it's got a picture of Dave, you know, cartoon-wise. We're standing in this elevator. Dave's standing next to me, and there's this nice-looking lady that steps in the elevator with me. And I notice that she's looking at my shirt, and then she's looking at Dave. And she finally says, why do you have a picture of him on your shirt? <laughs> she didn't know about Dave's Killer Bread, but I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, so Richard, we're going to have to wrap up here in a few minutes, but um, I'd like to give you just a few minutes to uh, kind of put out there any information that you'd like to about your program, how to get a hold of you, and yep. all that good stuff. Great. Thank you. Um, if you uh, have a need for a job or if you know someone who does, um, we'd love to help. You know, uh, we try very hard. Sometimes we succeed, sometimes we don't, but we always try very, very hard, and we've had a good amount of success. So if you know someone who could use help, please send an email to info, I-N-F-O, at 70, the number 70, millionjobs.com. Info at 70 millionjobs.com, and someone will get back to you. Um, if uh, you are an employer and you are interested in, um, in getting some amazing talent, we can help you with that. Uh, please send uh, you know the same email or go on our website, 70millionjobs.com, and there's a lot of information there and, uh, and the opportunity for you to send us a message there as well. But, um, you know, I, I, I do a lot of public speaking on this. And, you know, uh, if we all were honest with ourselves and if we all admitted that we've made mistakes that there but for the grace of God, you know, that if under the different set of circumstances there could have been it could have gone really south. That's the same truth that exists for these folks, which are the folks who you've been listening to for the last hour. You know, we're not perfect. I'm not. I'm certainly not perfect. I'm very flawed. I've made terrible mistakes that I deeply regret. But uh, you know, we all want to move on with our life, and we all want the same thing. We're not different. Please give us a chance. Please give these folks a chance. We can help you find them. There's some amazing, amazing people out there who who, who can transform your life and that of your company. But, I, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Well, guess what? That's another wrap for Felony Inc. Uh, nice podcast. talking to you, Richard. With 
like to thank uh, Richard for being on the show today. Great guests. And on a personal level, uh, Richard, I'd just like to say that I'm very proud of you for for what you're doing and helping other people. Thank you. That means a lot to me. So you have a good uh, week. And if you're ever in the Portland area and you get that million mark, come visit Mark down there at Murder, Inc., and he'll whip you up a tattoo. And you don't have We're to, doing it up. You don't have to wait till then. Come up anytime. I'd love to meet you. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. We're gone. Have a good week, people. Support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionists. At Ruby, they've mastered the art of turning rings into relationships. Their team of remote receptionists answer all of your calls live as if they're right there in your office. And with Ruby's mobile app, you easily control just how they screen, transfer, and take your messages. Start setting your business apart today. Visit callruby.com slash startup radio to sign up or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100 and use promo code STARTUPRUBY. Tell them Dave and Lad sent you and you get a $150 credit. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.